0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Sandra Bargeman. A few years ago, I wrote and performed a solo show called The Edge of Every Day, which was an exploration of the rough edges and contradictions we all face and grapple with. The show hit a nerve, and the relevance of the topic would only grow over time more than I could have foreseen. So, here we are. Real Talk with Real People. Sharing stories and perspectives that spark provocative invitations to leap out of what's safe. On the Edge of Every Day. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. We are live in the hive. Thank you for joining me on this, the 11th episode of The Edge of Every Day here on talkradio.nyc. We are starting this new year recommitted, recommitted to courageous conversations and recharged to face what awaits in 2022. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time and for those of you who don't know me yet, I encourage you to check out my bio on talkradio.nyc or of course you can visit my website, sandrabargeman.com or tune into any of my previous episodes. In a nutshell... This show is about celebrating triumphs, pushing boundaries, and exploring rough edges. Through conversations and shared stories with friends and colleagues, it's my hope that we can begin to understand our edges. And what I mean by edges is those places where we're fearful. Those places where we are resistant to change those places where paradoxes and contradictions live in our beliefs and our understandings, both internally and collectively in the world around us. Those places we don't want to look at. Listen, we live in challenging times, but we must come to understand that life isn't black or white. It's an embrace of both. And the more we recognize our own edges and get real about them, the more we can help others to do the same. And that, I fully believe, can help to change the world. So thanks again for tuning in. And without further ado, it's time to introduce our guest this evening. Chantal Bilodeau is a Montreal-born, New York-based playwright and translator whose work focuses on the intersection of science, policy, art, and climate change. She founded the Arctic Cycle over a decade ago and in her capacity as artistic director has been instrumental in getting the theater and educational communities as well as audiences in the U.S. and abroad to engage in climate action through programming that includes live events, talks, publications, workshops, national and international convenings, and a worldwide distributed theatre festival. She regularly speaks about the power of live storytelling to move people towards climate action in conferences and universities in the US, Canada, and Europe, and has contributed to several academic volumes, including International Climate Protection and Extraordinary Partnership How the Arts and Humanities are Transforming America. Awards include the Woodward International Playwriting Prize, as well as first prize in the Earth Matters Onstage Eco-Drama Festival and, and the Uprising National Playwriting Competition. Her work has been presented in a dozen countries around the world. She is currently writing a series of eight plays that look at the social and environmental changes taking place in the eight Arctic states. In 2019, she was named one of eight trailblazers who are changing the climate conversation by Audubon magazine. Welcome, Chantal. Hello, Sandra. It's so nice to be here. Oh, it's so wonderful to have you. I am so so excited. You look wonderful. I'm just so excited for our conversation.
1: Me so too. Thank and you
0: for go. Can go I ahead. ask
1: you? Yeah, can I see where you are? Because this is, this is an amazing background.
0: Yes, please. Thank you. This is an amazing background. This is my. My, I'm calling it my venue. It's the Plum because you can see it has purple walls. Well, maybe they don't seem like they're purple, but they are purple. But this is my uh, venue on my property in the Catskills. And it is, I yes, I totally. And it is my uh, hope and plan to be having salons in addition to some house concerts, you know, inviting friends up to do concerts, concerts, um, having you know as you know i do weddings as a interfaith minister and having some small elopements here but primarily my biggest goal in creating this was um to have salons and i want them to be many of them to be around climate change and i am hoping that you will be one of our presenters and that we can work together in my venue up here i would love to i love um intimate
1: venues you get a very different experience than when you go to, like, a
0: 300-seat theater. So this oh, is great. So I'm truth. glad you're doing this. Yeah. It's so the truth. Well, it's, you know, it's also, it's not only about having presentations and, and plays. It's about having conversations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was the goal of these salons, these the quintessential salons that were created and run by women, I might add. Um, you know, they they really wanted a place that they could invite people in that was non-hierarchical. There was no males and females and age ranges and vast different age ranges and levels in society. That didn't matter in these salons. People came in and everyone was there to engage in the dialogues of the times. So it's pretty exciting. Thanks for asking. And I will Mm -hmm. look forward to that. So... I I want to share quickly how we met because it was it's just such a a, a perfect setup for you. So Joan Kane told me all about you. And she said, you know, this is somebody you you've got to you've got to meet this woman. You've got to get to know her work. And Joan Kane for those of you who are listening in runs Ego Actus Theater Company. She's a director And uh, an actress just did her own solo show, and she's the theater producer along with her husband, and they run Ego Actus. And she's the one who clued me in on you. And immediately after um, telling me about that, she I went attended an uh, an event that you were holding at the New York Society Library in March of two thousand nineteen, where you did. Um, A performance, two actors did a performance of one of your climate change theater action plays, Homo Sapiens. You opened the event with that. And you also had a panel of other artists. Uh, You had a writer who was a moderator and you had scientists on this panel as well, talking about biodiversity and evolutionary biology and conservation. And I was riveted. I just, the, the whole experience, it was a salon. It was exactly, it was a perfect introduction to your work and a conversation around what is the role of art and theater to do what science cannot do? Mm
1: -hmm. I remember that event very well. And I remember meeting you because you came and introduced yourself afterward.
0: And, oh, well, I, and thought- I I was a fan by I was immediately a fan. I had a little little girl girl crush right out of the gate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, my reaction was who is this tall, blonde, beautiful woman who's
0: coming in to shake my hand? <laughs> <laughs> hi, 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 I want to meet you. <laughs> well, it was fantastic. And the Homo sapiens, which I've in all of my research that I've heard you do, um, I've heard you read from it. It's a play about the extinction of Homo sapiens and how there's evolution and new iterations of humans on planet Earth. And um, and we'll get into um, the climate change plays and all of that. But I want to start out um, initially with the, your career. Um, as, as folks who are watching my shows understand that I, I, I'm really into the research of of my guests and your doing research around you was so fantastic. The breadth of your work is just unbelievable. Um, But something I learned about you is that prior to being a playwright you were a graphic artist. That was your first career and which shocked me for some reason. Um, But you had mentioned that you had this self-assessing moment where you felt that you weren't making any impact. You had no impact as a graphic artist. And I've heard you use, reassess that impact in your life a few times in all of the interviews and the things that I read about you. And that had such a resonance for me. And the word impact in the climate dialogue climate impact, and the impact on humans, etc. It, it was really phenomenal. And when I was talking with Chantelle and planning this for tonight and sharing about the script, she had a, an evocative question for me. She said, do you think that that's um, a female thing, to, to have that kind of question, self-question of whether I'm having an impact? And then she added... I, like you, don't have children. And do we think that that is um, uh, an issue that women who don't have children, um, I think that it does. I think that there is impact. We do question that. Do you find that that it's like you you were looking for a way to birth a creative project that had impact on the world?
1: Yes. And to be fair, you know, as a graphic designer, I was probably having an impact that I, but it was not the impact I was looking for, I guess. And um, the way this questioning came up was because I, so I was a graphic designer for about seven or eight years. And at some point in there, I took a break and I went traveling around the world with a friend and we went to countries, you know, we went to Africa, we went to Southeast Asia um, in countries where they essentially didn't have graphic designers yeah. um, back then. Right. This is like 25 years ago. Now they would. But at the time, they they didn't. And this was I had never stopped to think about that. And it struck me as if the, the countries that are. Um, that have the most needs don't have graphic designers then I'm not that useful you know I'm only useful in a very rich country that okay. is set up in a certain way and that's when yeah that's when this and it stayed with me because it took us it takes another several years before I found my way into mm-hmm. what I was going to do but um it stayed with me and I think it has continued to evolve and I still think about it a lot these days, it's also, um, in a way, one of the curses of the arts, because we are constantly asked, what is your impact, as if we could justify it in the same way as science justifies what they do, you know, with a lot of researches and studies and um,
0: uh, data, (laughs) Data. Exactly. yeah,
1: yeah, which is a lot harder to come around in the arts.
0: Totally. But, but that's the power of the work that you do because yes, they have all the data and yes, they do have all the facts, but they are not getting the message out. They are not connecting with it. So again, what is the role of art and theater to do what science can't do? You know, politics is out in front of, of, of science. That's why they've been able to grab, you know, grab the, the narrative they, they ju- it's, And I, you had a beautiful way of saying storytelling is a connective tissue around all of the facts. I loved mm. that. So I think that's the perfect time to, we're going to get into your storytelling and how you became a playwright and how you started the Arctic cycle. When we come back after our first break,
2: on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc
0: of every day and we are back with Chantal Billido of the Arctic Cycle and so let's dive in with so you you make the decision to become a playwright you go to school you become a playwright how did you get the spark to create arcticcycle.org
1: so I started my career as a playwright, just like um, all of the playwrights, I guess, writing about a number of different things. And um, in 2007, I was invited. I had a friend who lived, he still lived there in Alaska, and um, I had known him for several years. He had always invited me. I had never gone. And then after being out of touch for, I don't know, four or five years, he Called to see if my number was still good, and I said to him, "Okay, this year I'm coming." <laughs> um, and and the great thing about him is that he runs an air taxi company out of Denali National Park, so it was like access to this amazing um, landscape. So I went and visited him. And 2007, of course, is one year after Al Gore's first documentary came out, "An Inconvenient, Inconvenient
0: Truth. Truth." Yes
1: there was, climate change was a lot more present in the mainstream conversation, Mm. and in Alaska, it wasn't a question of whether it was happening or not. People had been witnessing it, like they were feeling the effects already. And um, I, I was aware of, and became even more aware of the fact that few people at the time, and now I think it's changed, few people at the time in the rest of the country were even aware that the US had an Arctic territory. And we're not so aware of why what was happening there mattered for the rest of us. And so after that trip, I was so taken by the place also after that trip, I that's when I had the idea of merging my personal interest and my professional work. And I decided to write a play about um, the Arctic, which because I'm originally from Canada, and because we have such a huge Arctic territory, I first focused on the Canadian Arctic. And, um, and then that evolved, you know, one play, I'm like, oh, that's not enough. I want to do so much more. I have so much more to say. What can I, you know, what kind of project can I come up with, I'm going to write eight, eight plays, one for each country in the Arctic.
0: (laughs) Unbelievable.
1: And then that led um, eventually to creating the organization.
0: Okay. Well, so, so you knew that, you knew once you decided that you wanted to create all of these eight plays that you needed an organization to be an umbrella to all of this work. That's rather extraordinary. Um, that's a very, that's. That's a very different thing than just writing plays. You, you knew that this was a broader topic than just even that. Okay, so I'd like to jump into your slides and you talking about your first play, Sila.
1: Yes, so I am going to share my screen. And here we go. So you here, um, you're looking at a map of the Arctic, of the North Pole, but from the point of view of the North Pole, which we Mm. rarely see. Mm. And these are the eight countries that I'm writing about. So Canada, I have already written, uh, Norway also, and I'm currently working on the play that's set in the US. And then I will tackle the other five countries. I have a, I'll show you a few photos of the Canadian Arctic. So this was the research trip that I took um, in Iqaluit on Baffin Island. And Baffin Island, I'll go back to the map for a second. Um, if you can see my pointer, Baffin Island is straight north of Quebec. So it is like around here somewhere. Yeah. Um, the, the Port of Tree is a carib. It's it's where you fly into. Um, it's a town. It must be about seven thousand people now. Way above the tree line. Um, beautiful, very foreign looking to me landscape. Um, and mostly people who live there are mostly Inuit. So the indigenous population um, is the the main population up there. Mm. In, during this trip, I met different people, I went hiking, so this is me and the beautiful landscape. Um, And I wanted to learn as much about the culture and the place and the climate as I could, to be able to then convey that in the play. Mm. Here's an example of the culture, um, and also the spirituality of um, the place. So this is called an Inukshuk. Sometimes they, this one is, has a fairly human shape. Um, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And they're, you know, this island doesn't have any roads other than within the town itself. So these are markers for different things. It can be um, a good hunting place, a good fishing place, um, something that has spiritual value and it there's they are very um it's nice to encounter them on the landscape because you feel like you have a connection to another person who was there, here before you
0: well in and the last vast landscape that would be very important
1: yes and this last photo i want to see if the research is um An old building from the Hudson Bay Company, of course the North has um, a very sad story of colonialism and abuse of the Inuit. So the first white settlers were um, people who came and established fur trading posts. And then that moved the Inuit population from being nomadic to being more uh, settled.
0: Mm. Now the play. Mm.
1: So the play premiered in 2014 at Underground Railway Theater. I was lucky to, the, the theater had experience with puppets and there are two polar bear uh, characters in the play and they were able to build these amazing puppets that are three quarters life-size. So not quite uh, life-size, but almost. There was a mama polar bear who was uh manipulated by three people so there's this actress who manipulated the head there's somebody actually in the body of the bear and then there was someone at the back and the baby bear was manipulated by one person Um, i'll show you this is another photo of the bear encountering humans wow also as part of the story was a goddess of the ocean and the underworld and this was inspired by inuit mythology so the way this was rendered was with shadow puppetry and in this photo you can see the actor in the forefront um has just fallen through the ice and is underwater and he he encounters this goddess who is represented in the back
0: now and this the, is little, the climate scientist
1: this is the climate scientist yes And this is a moment, this is a turning moment for him in the play where he realizes that he has to move away from his, the confines of his disciplines and his uh, culture, I guess, and open up to uh, the place where he's doing research, but where he hasn't had a lot of intimate connections before. Yes. And then this last photo is also a turning moment in the play. The scientist, that's the same scientist who's standing. And the two characters on the ground are um, Liana and Veronica. They're mother and daughter. Uh, and the mother is an Inuit activist, and the daughter is a spoken word poet.
0: Mm. Those are beautiful. That's thank, thank you for sharing that. So, Sila, yeah, I, I love the... The spectacular photos, and I love the intermingling of the science and the spirit and the emotion and it, it it it's incredible. How did you come up with the structure of Sila and what is a sila? I know doing my research what Sila means, but tell our listeners what that means
1: yes, Sila is an inuktitut word, which is the language spoken spoken by Inuit and it means uh, breath. Mm. Climate, air—it's the most basic uh, component of Inuit mythology. Is where we come from and when we return. Um, Beautiful. And I forgot the other part of your question already. How did you come up
0: with the, stru- <laughs> the structure of the play?
1: <laughs> yeah, I—I I, it was through my going there because I left with an idea that was fairly traditional about, you know, good versus bad. Um, and when, you know, one side wins, and what you experience in, in most plays, I would say. And when I got there, I realized that the most compelling aspect of what what was going on in the Arctic was how everything was interconnected, mm. and how everyone had to learn to work together and find solutions that would work for everyone and so i set out to to tell a story that represented that that gave voices to many people not just one that showed how everybody can be right and wrong at the same time and that captured you talk about spirits that captured that puts everybody on the same plane. And when I say everybody, I mean animals, I mean humans, and I mean spirits. Like everybody exists on the same plane.
0: Yes. Ah, breathtaking. And this, by the way, this play is published and we will talk about all those publications later in the conversation, but we now need to take a break after that gorgeous presentation. And when we come back, uh, if we have time, we'll talk about the other two plays of the Arctic Cycle. But I, I, I may need to jump into um, CCTA, Climate Change Theater Action, and some of the other programs that you offer through the Arctic Cycle. When we come back, everyone, with Chantal Billadeau. Mm. We are back with Chantal Billadeau. and I, I just want to make a quick uh, announcement on. For those of you who are just hearing the audio, and you can't, you don't can't see those slides, you, you can't see the live streaming or the replay on Facebook. Chantal has a YouTube channel, and there are many, many um, presentations where she is sharing the slides that she just shared and more, on her YouTube channel, which is Climate Change Theatre Action, is her YouTube channel, as well as her website. And I'll reiterate that again at the end of the of the show. Um, so uh, just your, your second play, I do want to touch on. Your second play was Forward, and it took place in Norway. And your third play, No More Harveys, I love that name. <laughs> Is to debut in Alaska soon, yes? Yes,
1: April 1st in Anchorage in Alaska at Cyrano's Theater.
0: Are you planning to be there?
1: Absolutely, I will be there. <laughs> I will be there for part of the rehearsals too, um, and I will be there for opening night. Excellent. Come on.
0: I'm totally come. thinking about it. I am totally thinking about it. I want <laughs> you to know I've never been to Alaska. And all of my research and listening to you talk and the, the excitement around Arctic Cycle and understanding the breadth of it is just incredible. Okay. So you, you, you've worked on these plays and you're producing these beautiful plays and coming to this idea about how you want to do eight of them. Then you have this reassessing moment this impact moment. And thus was born CCTA, Climate Change Theatre Action. Please tell us about the birth of that and what it is.
1: Yes, Climate Change Theatre Action was came out of a conversation between Elaine Avila, who's a playwright in uh, British Columbia, Roberta levitov who who runs theater without Borders and uh kardadsvich who started no passport theater Alliance and he, and is also a playwright and someone asked me this was just before cop twenty one the paris climate uh, conference someone said, "What do you think needs to happen now talking about the theater and mm-hmm. You know, I was working on these plays, it takes forever to write them, even longer to produce them, I'm, I can only offer my own perspective. And I said, we need to have a lot more playwrights write about these things. And Care had already pioneered the model of a theater action, which is galvanizing the theater community around a social issue, and then creating a, a bank of plays that can then circulate and be done by a variety of theaters. So we adapted that model and we we create and, and when I think about it now it's kind of amazing how fast we did it. <laughs> Cause we had this conversation you would in only July. Know you wouldn't
0: have done it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and we created the first climate change theater action in 2015. And the model is we commissioned 50 playwrights Around the world, so all um, inhabited continents are represented. Ah. They write a five minute play based on a prompt that we give them, which, is ch- which changes every time. And then we take this collection of 50 plays and we make them available for free during a time window, which is in the fall every other year. And we say to people, do present something, do something, you know, present an event, and as part of your event, include an action. And you get to define what that is. And you can include other materials from local local artists. You know, you can do music. Some people will have an exhibition of visual arts at the same time, and they do action like writing letters to representatives, donating to tree planting organizations. Like, they get to decide what is most meaningful to them.
0: Mm. Okay, so, so how did you find these playwrights? When Every time you've said we find 50 playwrights, how in the world did you get 50 playwrights to come together? And what's the ratio of women? I remember you talking about the ratio of women and people of color that are involved in, in these plays.
1: The first time, there were four of us and we all had our own networks. So in pulling our networks together we managed you know to find 50 playwrights. Subsequently um I because the the other 3 have moved on so I I've have stayed with the organization and I I rely a lot on on recommendations. So people will recommend because I don't know usually that many artists playwrights in Africa or In China, and but people will recommend, or past playwrights also will will recommend. Um, And
0: what am I? Women, women, and people (laughs) of color. The ratio. I have a very
1: narrow. It's all good. The mind
0: is a terrible (laughs) thing to lose. I'm with you. I'm completely with you.
1: (laughs) Can only concentrate on one question. I have notes. (laughs) (laughs) So, women, yes. we have always had at least 50%, if not sometimes 60% of women
0: on the roster. Awesome. And uh, also... A- a- which is as it should be for climate change for Mother Earth. Absolutely. Frankly.
1: Yes. And um, I don't remember the exact numbers for people of color, but it's also a high number. Um, I think it's it it 40% sometimes 50% something like that depending oh, on the year absolutely fantastic because so we because we invite people we have we make we have control over the the balance so we make sure that there's a lot of representation
0: well it just seems like a huge amount of uh, of number of playwrights but yeah, i'm sure it's not doesn't feel that way to you but when you said 50 i was like wow that's a lot that's fantastic um yeah And it's, I, I, has it grown, the number grown through the year? So actually, before you answer that, so it's every two years, you did this in 2015. And you, the first year, uh, what was sort of the the overarching, did it have a, it didn't have a prompt that year, correct? Am I remembering in my research? Okay. Yes. No prompt that year. So two years later, you, you did a compilation of those plays. Did you do a compilation of those plays? Mm-mm. An anthology, no, no, not for the first one the f- it was the baby year it was the baby year it was in all the levels the and pilot the, year yeah, insane pilot, right, okay, so in two thousand seventeen uh so these are every two years then in two thousand seventeen, you what was the prompt that you gave? It was about hope,
1: finding the hope, you know, where is the hope in in all of this
0: oh yeah, what, what are, it, I- where is the hope and, and to to the the overwhelm that people feel in addressing? I mean, I know that d- going to Al Gore's um, climate reality training um, in two thousand and seventeen, there was a lot of focus on how do we pull people out of overwhelm about the the magnitude of the problem, so they don't shut down and they can stay connected to hope. And of course. When Harriet Sugarman was on, and we talked about you, um we talked about hope as well, so I have that book that that was you were working on when I met you two thousand and I have that book, that anthology you were working on just looking for your playwrights for the two thousand
1: nineteen uh-huh,
0: yeah and which was lighting the way. Yes. And then in 2021, recently at Glasgow, the COP26 of Glasgow, You and did you find that there was any change in um, due to your numbers? I know your data in 2019 was pretty awesome about the number of people what is the data for your for climate change theater action 2019
1: of... yeah 2019 was our biggest year we had about 225 events in i think 25 countries and reached like 25,000 people it was it was and it's awesome. it's it's amazing because every one of these events is fairly small like nobody is filling out uh, a stadium you know they're right. The biggest event maybe have a couple hundred people, but usually it's 50, 60, but it adds up when everybody does it at the same time. It adds up.
0: And I think, Sam, do we have time to play that, um, play the fabulous clip, the official trailer? Yes, I have, yes. So we can play it in this, this section. The official trailer for climate change. Theater Action, which you can find and replay on their YouTube channel. Fantastic, Chantal. Absolutely fantastic.
1: And I just Um, want to point out that all this footage comes from events that were organized. It gives you a sense of the variety. It's all events that were done in 2015 and 2017.
0: Wow. Well, I see that even in the plays that I've read in this anthology, that you are always asking for people, no matter what, to take pictures of what you're doing and send them to you, and I, I think your archives just must be busting out all over. Of that's fantastic. Um, well, Sam, how much how much more time do we have? Because I want to quickly dive into. Um, it's three minutes to break. Okay, so I would like to. I guess. I'm going to I'm going to send people to um, your website climatechangetheateraction.com and it's also your overarching one is is the arcticcycle.org uh, where the list of your different other programs are you have, which we'll get into in the next round, but I'll just list them off now so we can be thinking about them. Um, you have an online community that has resources for artists to come together and think about climate change. You have the incubator, which is a five day program where artists come together to work together to create work together. Uh, you have your publications online, articles that are submitted, um, as well as your own anthologies that are in publication and your own plays, and you have online meetups between uh, in the Western Hemisphere and the Eastern Hemisphere. I, just the breadth of your work is amazing, Chantal.
1: <laughs>
0: so, when we come back, we are going to talk about the incubator. Because unfortunately, we just won't have time to get into everything. And I will encourage people to, to go to your website to look at the rest of your programs. But I also want to get into um, how we can give other people inspiration to get involved in the work that you do and create the same kind of work in their communities. So when we come back, we will discuss all those things with Chantal Billadeau. Stay tuned.
2: Join us every Tuesday at 4pm Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses and experts in psychology and behaviour to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m., every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Readership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D., the Nonprofit Sector Connector, coming at you from my attic
0: And we are back with Chantal. Um, I said that I wanted to talk about uh, the, you uh, know, a, a little bit more in depth about some of these programs, but I, I'm actually going to switch gear to what I have planned for this section Because I think it brings in, your programs are so fantastic, uh, but because they're on on your website, people can go and check them out. The incubator, um, and they're for theater artists and work with theater resources. I want to pull, open up, tease out the conversation with, you know, how do we continue to inspire people to action? And how do we continue to really push this dialogue in a bigger way with those in our lives, Um, and I'd like to start with you reading your monologue um, that was from the first play that you wrote for CCTA, Climate Change Theatre Action, in 2015.
1: Yes, yeah, I'm happy to. So this uh, monologue is called Mother. Look at me. Why won't you look at me? You were such a surprise. No one was waiting for you. No one was expecting you. The idea of you hadn't even crossed my mind. You just showed up one day out of nowhere, a fully formed, a little beast with its own will, ready to take the world by I should have seen it coming, of course. I should have realized when you crawled out of the ocean that something was happening, that something had been set in motion. But the truth is, it was all random. A little mutation here, a little mutation there, and boom, there you were with your big head and your big brain, so proud of yourself as standing on your own two feet. Such a miracle. Somehow, In the space of a geological flicker, chaos organized itself into you. Why won't you look at me? Then one day it was time for you to spread your wings and make the world your own. And what a day that was. Drunk with your own power, you heard and saw and tasted. You experienced and learned, invented and discovered, organized and cataloged. It was exhilarating. I watched you grow innocent and carefree, incapable of even imagining that, well, maybe that would have made a difference. We used to gaze into each other's eyes, remember? from dusk to dawn and dawn to dusk, I held you close and we lost ourselves into each other's mystery. That was before you started calling me mother, before there was anything to call mother. I was you and you were me. Mm. There There was no distance to travel, no otherness to name. It was our version of Eden, our own little paradise. You know, maybe the proverbial apple wasn't plucked from a tree. Maybe it was extracted from the ground. Look at me. I wish you would look at me simply without guilt or shame. I may be sick. I may be oozing thick black blood, but I'm not angry. I know you for billions of years. I have carried you in my womb. You are made of me, you, my little piece of eternity, my little miracle. I know you're not ill-intentioned. I know you're not oblivious. I know you're not mean. You care. You want the best. You love, yes, you do. Maybe imperfectly, but you love. The past is behind us, let it go. And the future, the future is forever hidden in the double helix of a cell, but now, now is here, now is us. Now is our time for forgiving, for forgetting what has been done, for rediscovering what has been lost, for healing, what has been hurt. Now is our chance to bridge that distance again and reclaim the Eden that was before there was mother. Look at me. Please, if I see myself in your eyes, I'll know that everything will be okay. Thank you.
0: Beautiful. If I see myself in your eyes. Yeah, the connection. That's so powerful, that giving her life, giving her voice, turning her, she's a living, breathing entity um and that is the power the emotion that we are talking about the connective tissue between these facts you've woven the facts into that monologue so beautifully along with the emotion
1: it was it was looking at the earth as a mother like Literally. As we
0: think of well, some of us think of her that way, yeah. But, and some of us do think of her as a living, breathing entity. But but for the people that may not, this is extraordinary. The uh... and I
1: I wanted to move away a little bit from you know we often say oh the the earth is angry at us for what we've done and for what's happening. It's and I wanted to try mm-hmm. to move away from that and. Have the earth express maybe disappointment or sadness as opposed to anger, because anger, 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 anger um, provokes a you know like if you want to push against it, but sadness is a way to move forward to to move towards somebody I think, and I was hoping That's,
0: that absolutely yeah well and like a mother's love for uh, for children who have have done wrong by her. You know, that that she still has compassion and she understands those choices. And, you know, I told you I was, um, I mean, this is the perfect example of, I, I told you this story. When I was talking with my husband this morning, putting together all of my notes from doing research on you, I turned to him and I asked him, you know, what do you think is, and my husband is a scientist and he works in, in the environmental field. Um, what do you think is the most important thing to move the dialogue forward um, for climate change? And, you know, he thought about it and I'm thinking of, you know, all the ways that he might go. And, and he says voting. And of course, you can't argue with that, you know, getting people to, to vote for politicians that will move the conversation that wanted into our policy that believe in climate change, and they do exist, we just have to vote for them. We just need to get more people um, um, registered to vote, we need to get the young people more of the young people involved, since it's the, the planet that they're going to inherit. But you know, the more he and I were talking about it in wedging around, and he circled right around to well, you know what it's 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 the personalization of the story, it's making it personal and he goes, so I've come right around to this is the work that Chantal does this <laughs> is the the most important way to move the dialogue forward. It was fabulous. we were like boom right in right in there with you and um it is
1: storytelling uh, definitely. It's storytelling. It is yeah.
0: storytelling. So so people can get involved with you through your arcticcycle.org and listed on arctic uh, arcticcycle.org are all of the programs that you offer. Uh, the uh, climate the CCTA climate change theater action also.com has its own website, and, and all kinds of listings of your publications, the former anthologies, recaps of all of this work. The website that is a resource for—I'd like to say it's a resource for everyone. It's not just theater people, but um, it, it's bringing theater artists together. But there's people are submitting incredible. I watched an incredible um, video on um, two minutes to end. Chantal, there's never (laughs) enough time. There's an incredible, incredible video about, you know, how COVID has really gotten us. It's a global pandemic that's taught us how to deal with upheaval and uncertainty, which is fast going to be our fault. You know, it's here. Um, And it's just going to grow. So how do we get comfortable with the uncertainty? And your websites are loaded with all kinds of information that people can come to and read and become involved with. Is there anything I missed?
1: No, I think you you did a great job. (laughs) (laughs) I think I got all
0: your websites. Yes. Uh, Well, I just... uh, Thank you so much. And I just feel like we've we've touched the, the tip of the proverbial Arctic iceberg in our conversations. And I will look forward to having you on again. We will talk again on this podcast. We will talk again in my venue and look forward to our work together. Thank you so much for being a part of the show.
1: Thank you, Sandra. And th- thank you for doing what you're doing. It's important. Mm.
0: Thank you. And for those of you tuning in, thank you for joining us. You can click on sandrabargeman.com and find out what I'm up to. And until we speak again next Monday on the Edge of Every Day, remember, we're always at the edge of the miraculous. Until next week, take good care. Thanks again, Chantal. Bye-bye. This is-
2: see. Uplift, educate, empower.
1: Talk Radio NYC Uplift, Educate, Empower